Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, what's going on? How you doing today? Big day, good day. <laughs> yeah, very exciting yeah. day. Here in Ottawa, at least, Scott, uh, first day of the new guidelines, let's call them, here in Ontario, which has led to some some pol- increased police presence at the Quebec border, which is something we saw last spring, but uh, first time on the Ontario side of it. But let's ignore all that. Yeah. The new age restrictions for the AstraZeneca's vaccine has been lowered. So we're closer and I live in downtown Ottawa and there are wait lists now for downtown Ottawa pharmacies, which uh, is new. So that's very exciting. Yeah, that's great. Too bad. Neither of us are 40 and uh... no, but I can be on the downtown. I can actually be on a wait list now, whereas before I couldn't get to a pharmacy within an hour for the ones that had the wait list. Now there's two within a 20 minute walk. Hey, well, that's good news, Sean. Yeah. Uh, you know what else? Good news. What's that? Budget, budget day. Yeah, big, uh, big day here in the nation's capital. Budget day. Certainly, a lot of folks here paying attention. Scott, what's your big standout from the budget? <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I, uh, I think, yeah, why not? Right. Uh, well, interest rates are really low. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why houses are so expensive, right? Is uh, well, I could are... borrow a lot of money. Why not? <laughs> yeah, so it's always a big day. I always, I always enjoy the shoe purchase the day before for whoever the minister of finance is. I have no idea where that tradition started, why it exists, but I enjoy it because it used to be that it'd be on the news the night before. Now, whoever it is just tweets it out. And uh, Krista Freeland, she got shoes from a, a local shoe store in Toronto. And hmm. they wear the shoes. Like it's such a strange tradition to me, but I love it so much. Yeah, very, very strange, very strange. But uh, yeah, you know, no, I uh, I had a big day. I actually went in to the office today, okay. so I did see those police cars patrolling yeah. the uh, the bridge there. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, a bustling day in Ottawa, despite uh, what Doug Ford would tell you we're supposed to do. So. <laughs> Yeah, so there uh, so there you go. But also a bustling day out in Calgary, Alberta, inside the curling bubble, the final of the Champions Cup, or finals, I should say, of the Champions Cup, the men's game this afternoon, women's game this evening, just wrapping up as we are recording. Scott, let's start right there on the women's side. Rachel Homan with a surprise appearance in the bubble. And then a surprise, I'm going to play the first game. And then a surprise, I'm going to play the rest of the games. And okay, I'm just going to win three weeks after having a baby while the baby is up with my mother sleeping and not really realizing what's going on because the baby's three weeks old. So of course the baby doesn't know what's going on. This is kind of, it's just insane. When we talked last week, Scott, it was all about Emma Miski was looking forward to skipping 
getting the experience of skipping. She was on the record as talking about how, how this is going to be a great experience in case, God forbid, Rachel ever has an injury or, or just has to miss an event for whatever reason. It's just great to have some skipping experience. Laura Walker was going to come in. Laura Walker was there. Did not see the ice this week. Yeah, Sean. It, you know, when I saw that, it made me think, did did I miss you announce this on April 1st? Was this just a huge a joke, joke that they were playing on us? It's <laughs> uh, crazy. Yeah, so uh, just crazy. Uh, what what a rock star, right? I mean, yeah. I know Jonathan Braz was out there writing articles. Uh, everybody's praising her on Twitter. Uh, we're maybe a little late to the party in that, but holy crap. What yeah. a what a show of athleticism and uh, professionalism. Just like, I don't know. I, I can't say enough good things. Like, very, very uh, impressive performance put on uh, by Rachel Holman these last few days. Yeah, and, and we talked before the Scotties final and wondered out loud on our broomstack that day that if Rachel Holman, if Team Holman had won that, would Curling Canada have decided to send Carrie Anderson's team anyway? Because we just assumed that Rachel would not be available for the women's worlds, which start which start in two weeks. Right. Right. So, you know, back then, six weeks ago, whenever that was, we figured, of course, the end of April into early May would not be a reasonable timeline for her to play. And here she is winning a Grand Slam two weeks in advance of what we thought would be possible. It's really just crazy. And I did see some quotes from Rachel earlier in this week saying that obviously this this doesn't create any sort of benchmark for any other pregnant women or or, or women who have just had children. Because as she says, every woman is different. Every woman's going to respond differently to this. So, you know, don't don't make this sort of the expectation for all other women to come after it. It's just a, a phenomenal story. Good for her. Uh, you know, cool to have her mother be able to be into the bubble with her. So the baby can be there. Just a, an all around great story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A great, great story. So and, uh, a team we, li- a team we like, right? I, I like Rachel Allman's team. Yeah. I mean, they're local ish to us, you know, it's always good. Yeah. <laughs> another banner for the uh for the ottawa curling club although they put the grand slam ones inside the ice shed which is where they typically put the ones they don't care as much about yeah that's uh whew. yeah uh, uh, or another... the giant ones the cis championship one is giant it's the only place it'll fit yeah it's really big yeah so so let's talk about this game scott they beat sylvana Tiranzoni. In the final good week for Tiranzoni and the Swiss squad as, as they gear up for the women's worlds. But in this game, it really did feel like Holman was just in charge the whole way. They, they got forced in the first end. They get the, the force right back. But it never felt as though Tiranzoni was in control of any of the ends. It's certainly my takeaway. Yeah, and part of it was that um, this the Swiss team just wasn't playing as well as Team Holman, right? Uh, it was a lot of half shots here or there. Uh, when they would get, like when they forced Rachel in the first, it was a a very hard draw, but it was there. And it just didn't curl enough. Like, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like they forced her to an impossible angle run double or something, right? Like, uh, So throughout the whole game, they just uh, weren't putting the rocks in the right spot. And I think that was the reason that you thought Holman was in control the whole time because 
they were the ones putting the rocks where they needed to, making the hits uh, and rolls, making the draws to exactly the right spot. The guards even, where Team Tiranzoni seemed like they were chasing the whole game. Yeah, and the numbers do back that up. Esther at 70%, whereas Sarah Wilkes was at 84%. And actually, Sylvana Tiranzoni herself at 70%. Emma also finishes at 84%. So you, you see those four rocks in the middle for each team. Uh, notable advantage over on Team Homan's side. And you, you saw it in the eighth end, I thought, Scott. Sylvana Tiranzoni, this, this actually was kind of set up nicely for the Swiss. And Sylvana Terranzoni on her mm-hmm. first, she has a chance at a double to sit three behind three homing guards that are kind of Christmas treated, and not particularly useful if you're homing at that point. But mm-hmm. Terranzoni comes out a little wide. She might have set it back a bit too. Doesn't curl enough for her. She gets the stone too thin. Fortunately, I guess for her, it does catch her own in the back and she still has two in the house but she never really has a legit chance at getting the shot stone at another point in that end. So if she makes that shot, she's sitting three, one's dead buried. The other two are kind of sort of maybe accessible, but they'd be tough shots for Rachel Holman. And that's really where the game I think was over at that point. Well, well, I think that that was a turning point in the sense that that was like, Oh, that was the opportunity. But even on the next rock, Rachel, uh, or, or it was Emma, I guess, went deep uh, with her draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, Sylvana was playing a draw. No, uh, Emma hit, sorry. And then Sylvana had a, a chance to play a draw around the guards that you'd mentioned. Uh, were, they were still there. Uh, and she had the chance to play the draw around. And it, it the, the sweepers weren't sweeping it at all. Yeah, and it crashed. It, like, I don't, it not only crashed, it like nosed the guards. So, yeah. Uh, she must have just got it going right away, and uh, and they were like, "Well, we're not going to save this. Why, why bother?" Uh, so, so I mean, there was still life in the game at that point, but then, you know, once uh, once that shot happened, it was kind of like, Ugh. yeah, pulling pulling the plug on the support machine there. Yeah, so a, a tough evening for Sylvana Turin, Zoni, and company. So Rachel Holman gets her 11th Grand Slam victory. That puts her into first place of active women and, and maybe women all time would be my guess. Uh, so, so not just active. I can't think of anyone who would have more. Maybe Jennifer Jones? No, jo- Jones was listed at nine on what I saw. Ah, okay. And she is still active. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a factor in, in that. Uh, so elsewhere across the women's draw, I kind of like the 16 playoff format. I don't think they'll stick with it, but I, I do like it. Uh, if we're looking at the semifinals, we had a great run for Tracy Flurry, making her first appearance in the bubble. Of course, Chelsea Carey skipped the team back at the Scotties. Tracy Flurry was there, runs through undefeated. The round robin ish part of the event, but falls to Terranzoni seven to four in the semi. She had a shot maybe on her last one in the semifinal, uh, just couldn't quite get it where she needed to. Uh, it was a big hit, uh, I believe a double that she couldn't quite get there. But a fun, fun week for the team. They talked about how just great it was to be together in person again, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously played really well in the four games in the round robin. So, so nice to see them back together. Any takeaways from that squad, Scott? 
yeah, it was nice to see them back together, firing on all cylinders. You know, uh, they they had a pretty good run at the beginning of the Scotties and sort of ran out of steam as it went on. But uh, this team is really good, and uh, they they won. Didn't they win a, a Grand Slam last year? Yes. Well, yes, 2019, the, in, the fall of 2019. Yeah, the one in so, North Bay. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, they can play with anybody in the world. And uh, I think, I, I'm sure having Tracy there was a bit of a boost to the whole squad. Now, Tracy's going to leave the yeah, bubble, uh, go back home, and they're going to bring Chelsea back in. So, you know, we'll see if they go 0-4 with Chelsea, and then we'll know <laughs> the, the real secret sauce for the team. But... Uh, I, I expect as long as uh, Selena's playing well, that this team will will win some games. Yeah, that, that really is the key, is that Selena's on point. And you can forgive what happened at the Scotties. And they played well at the Scotties, too, but just having never played together. So, But it, it is nice to see that they had a, a good week. In the other semifinal, Rachel Holman beat Carrie Anderson in a rematch of the Scotties final. Carrie Anderson didn't have a shot on her last one, I don't think. Uh, but threw it and threw it hard because why not? Uh, but but I don't think there was a shot there in that last one of the, of the semifinal games. And you could see a lot of the other players. It was the last game on the ice. A lot of the other players were standing around looking and thinking. You could sort of see the looks on their face of like, maybe, you know, you know how curlers do is they, right, they like to yeah. stand around. Uh, but a good week for Carrie Anderson to get back into a semifinal and interestingly enough over on the women's side where for the first time at a grand slam we have these buys to the semifinals for the top two finishing team both of those teams lose actually in the semifinals and Mm -hmm. we saw it at the briar and the scotties that coming through the semifinal into the final worked well similar thing happens here where having that game earlier in the day proves beneficial as opposed yeah, to coming you, out cold in the, the night drop. Get out, get loosened up, you get a feel for the ice and everything. Yeah. yeah. Seems like it's uh it's been very advantageous this year. Yeah. And uh so the other quarter finalist, Elena Kovaleva, she fell to Terenzoni in the quarter and Satsuki Fujisawa in the other match against Rachel Holman. On the women's side, just in general, uh, nothing too exciting, I think, from the teams that didn't make it, uh, uh, I don't think. Anna Hasselberg <laughs> lost every game. Okay, so here's what I wanted to say about this. This is why I don't, yeah. think, it, don't think it's exciting. They're, I, <laughs> ready? I'm going to just call it. They're going to win the world championship. They're here for the world championship. These are warm-up games for them. I'm sure they would have rather won than lost. Sure. But I think if you're looking at what the point of this is for them, it ultimately is the world championship. So I'm not going to be too alarmed by that. Eve Muirhead goes two and two. I'm not super alarmed by that either. If you just look in general, the the teams that are going to be in the world championship on average did a little worse than those that aren't. I, I don't know if that necessarily means anything. But to me, it's a, a perhaps minor indicator as to what the purpose of these two events are for those teams compared to the other teams, particularly those who have already been in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's I, I know it do, it doesn't matter, but uh, well, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't. Yeah, matter. right. Like oh, oh and know? four. Oof. 
I mean, this team could come out and like not play well and win three games, right? Like they're they're that yeah, good. They are. They're really so good. That, that's like a little bit surprising to me. We'll see what happens next week. But yeah, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not surprised. I'm I'm just right. saying that I don't think it's I don't think it's a predictor of what we should expect for them once we get to the worlds. That's all. Okay. <laughs> you don't seem convinced, Scott. Eh. Well, I I think it's it was the most surprising thing to me uh, that came out of this week. All right, and if you look at the scores, they did lose by one point to Eve Muirhead, one point to Minji Kim, lost by three to Flurry, and by two to Tiran Zoni. They were run out of rocks in that game, I believe. So it's not like they were getting blown out of the arena. No. But usually they're the ones doing the blowing out. That is that is very, very true. Uh, um, uh, the other team that is of note here, I guess, is Tabitha Peterson. They go one and three in their introduction to the bubble. They, of course, will be Team USA at the Women's Worlds. Yes. So not uh, it's an interesting team just in that. I mean, we've seen them before. They have Olympic experience, a really good team, but I don't know what the expectations are for them or what I'm sure their internal expectations will be to make the playoffs, get that Olympic spot for mm-hmm. the United States. But the external expectations, I'm not entirely sure what they are. I don't know what I would expect from them either. So uh, it'd just be interesting to see as they move forth and in now into the Players' Championship how they are are progressing as we get to those women's worlds. Yeah, if they can, you know, get a couple more games under their belts then and and go in feeling good, uh, I think that would that would bode well. That would go a long way. Yeah. Uh it's it's a new lineup too, so Yeah. You know, you got to get used to uh, used to that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, overall women's side fun week. Good to have all these teams back. Uh enjoyed that and just uh, obviously Rachel Holman though is the story even if she lost that game she might have been the story of the week so uh, an 11th grand slam for rachel holman over on the men's side second grand slam victory for bruce mowett and his team out of scotland they beat brendan botcher in a rematch of the qualification game from the men's world scott in a sort of weird scheduling quirk they play tomorrow afternoon in draw yeah. two of the players' championship. Kind of crazy uh, that that matchup uh, is going to happen again. Obviously, there's no way to predict that. But uh, second Grand Slam, as I said, for Bruce Mountain Team Scott, this game really turns in the fifth end. In the first half, Brendan Botcher was in control. Bruce Mowat and the team, they were chasing a lot in the first half of this game. And then they finally play a really good end, a a great end, really, in the fifth end. And Brendan Botcher has an open draw facing two. And the two rocks are behind the T line spread out, so there's no chance of a double for a blank or anything. But Mm -hmm. Brendan Botcher needs to touch the forefoot to get a point. And I changed the channel because I was so certain. I was like, all right, fine, like wide open draw, touch the forefoot. No problem. And then I turn it back four minutes later and oh my God, they're down by two. How did this happen? That's just something you don't expect to see at this level. And I was floored by that, but the game really turns at that point and Mowat and the Scottish team really just take it home from there. Yeah. I I start, I turned this game on in the seventh and I, I thought, 
Brendan had a shot. He had to play like a run back, a sort of double run back double uh, to, to get to. And it sounds harder than it was. I think Uh, he hit it almost too well and uh, just didn't, didn't spill it out uh, quite far enough. Uh, I think the story of this game, Sean, if you look at the, uh, the percentages of the back end, 66, 67 for, Molding and Botcher, 81-92 for Hardy and Mowat. And uh, yeah, if you, you get outplayed like that, you're going to lose a lot of curling games. Yeah. So so that run double that you're talking about, Scott, that's in the seventh end. And yeah. this came up in the broadcast a little bit. And I was curious about this as well, because Brendan had not necessarily a simple shot, but an, a more makeable shot for one. Like and a draw, it, right? Yeah, and he's he's down two at this point. So the question that they had on the, the broadcast was, obviously, you want to score two if you can. The degree of difficulty on what he played was so high, though, that maybe you want to take the one because in this event, you had the no tick zone. Mm-hmm. And the odds of stealing are higher when you can't tick a center guard off of that center line. So is this something that, do you think, given this rule, and they talked about it in the, the women's game as well, that perhaps it does create a more entertaining product, do you think that that should have come into that strategy decision to say, well, being down one in these rules is not like being down one normally? I think that, yes, they they, they should have taken that into account. Maybe they did, but... If if you're just sort of going on curling robot autopilot, oh, you know, like we can't be down one. That's that's not acceptable. And maybe yeah, you you sort of forget that kind of thing coming into it. it they did have four stolen ends four uh, in this event. It's pretty out good. Twenty one total ends played. That doesn't make sense. That's uh that's twenty one <laughs> total ends played without hammer. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, like it it didn't seem to me like stealing was up, uh, that much right this week. And, and that certainly is going to be a testament to the shot making of these players, right? That it's really hard, really hard to steal, Uh, but it, it can lead to more exciting ends, more rocks in play early in the ends by getting rid of these tick shots. So it is something that we'll have to see how this progresses and, and does the WCF look at this as something that they want to potentially implement? I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I think it's still too early to tell. Uh, the sample size just isn't there yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no consensus no. for me yet either. Uh, overall, though, a great week for Brendan Botcher and his team. We talked, Scott, like what would they have left? in the tank after being in the bubble for so long. And I think I said that, well, they might have something ready for this event and then the players, they'll just be ready to go. But Darren Molding is going to stay in the bubble for the women's world and help out with the ice crew, apparently, because I guess he's just a glutton for punishment. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, good on Darren Molding. I know he's he's like an arena rat guy, and I mean that as a compliment that he just loves being around the sport, being around the game. But man, oh man, like yeah. adding on another eleven days. Good on him. My gosh, I I I couldn't imagine, Sean. Yeah, I, really- I like traveling 
as much, maybe more than the next person. But after a certain amount of time, like I got to sleep in my own bed. (laughs) Yeah. I also noticed, I don't know if it was the lighting today, but it did seem like Brendan Botcher had been using his uh, balcony out at the hotel. Uh, Getting a little little tan on. Looked like he had a, a, I could see a bit of like sunglass lines. Uh, oh yeah, where he might have been sitting outside for a while because why not? You're, you're stuck in that hotel room for Gotta get your base layers, a couple right? months. Yeah. Uh, the other thing f- from that game, just talking about the seventh end, one of the things that really turned that end is Brad Thiessen missed a hit where he rolled out on his first, and that really turned the tide and let Bruce Mount and the mm. team control that end. And, and it leads me to a discussion that I, I wanted to have a little later, but it it just reminded me of something when I was watching it, Scott, that is an important shot that sets up the whole end. It is really early in the end though. And Sportsnet on the quarterfinals and the semifinals does the around the rings coverage where they'll hop from game to game. And you see pretty much the last four rocks of each end for each game, for the most part, Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't, if it's wide open or whatever. And I was trying to think, do I like this? And there are pros and cons to it, obviously, that you get to see everybody, or at least all the skips over the course of the evening. And here's the comparison that I came up with. And I want to know what you think about this. The around the rings coverage is like going to a buffet instead of an a la carte restaurant. So at a buffet, you get to sample everything, right? You get Mm -hmm. a little bite, a little taste of everything. But you don't really get like the full meal experience, right? Whereas like an a la carte, you get the full meal, right? It's it's well-rounded. You get the whole thing. Yes, it's only one thing, but it's sort of the full entree as opposed to little pieces of everything. It's, it's like put together by the chef to tell a story on your palate. Exactly. Whereas the buffet, you're just eating crab legs and chocolate cake like an animal. Right. You're going around. It's like, all right, so I'm going to have, all right, yeah, I'll have a crab leg here. Ooh, and then I'll have uh, a, a piece of roast beef here. And then, oh, over there, what's that? A chicken wing? Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a couple of those. <laughs> and then, ooh, some right. French fries. Great. And then, oh, ooh, Brussels. Like, like, there's no continuity necessarily to what you're eating. It's just, oh, this, this seems interesting to me. And yeah. that's the difference, right? Like, buffets can be fun at times. Like, there, there's a mm-hmm. place for the buffet. And an a la carte restaurant, sometimes the restaurant's going to be bad. And maybe you would want a little bit of everything. You'd be like, oh, that was bad, but this one was good, which is what the buffet offers. But sometimes an a la carte restaurant and you have that meal there is just divine and it's just Mm -hmm. magical the whole time through. And that's the difference to me is that when you're focusing on one single game, the lows are going to be lower than the around the rings, but Mm -hmm. the high is going to be higher because you see the full story of the game. You see everybody. You see stuff like that Brad Thiessen shot in the seventh end. And that's the comparison that I, I came up with. What do you think? Not bad. Not bad. I kind of like that uh, idea. 
it's 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 sort of like though when TSN would go to Kathy's update she provides the context of oh so and so hit and rolled out and that's what set up this yeah and for me sometimes that can be enough you know if i care more about the game that's on tv sure that's enough if i care more about the updated game sure i wish that there was more and so to me like having the around the sheets coverage is better than focusing on a game that i don't really care about right so in in that sense yeah what you're describing is right like sometimes what you get when you're told what to eat is bad and you want the variety but sometimes it's really great so uh yeah i i I can dig your comparison there your metaphor thank you i was very pleased when it came to my mind (laughs) that and and again I, i think i prefer the full game experience myself because again you get to see those strategy decisions early on in the end you get to see all the players but i'm not going to say that the around the rings coverage doesn't have its place because i definitely think it has its place and i actually do think tsn should incorporate it for a couple draws at the scotties and the briar to account for everybody getting tv time i I would turn over two mornings to around the rings because Kathy's watching all the games anyway, so she can, she can talk about them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I might actually consider that to, to be a way to get everybody on TV for the, the Scotties and the Briar. But in general, I think I'm going to lean to the full game, but I'm happy to watch the Around the Rings uh, as well. It's just like what you like and don't be a jerk about it. That's what I say. Right, yeah. right. And Sean, like you know me, I love NFL Red Zone. Yeah. And I find watching a single game like so annoyingly <laughs> long and right. so many ad breaks like commercials uh, uh curling is the kind of sport where we're not really suffering through you know a play and then a commercial and then a play and then a commercial right like right. it's the, the flow is pretty good and yeah. so uh it, it's not benefiting from that kind of rapid action that something like nfl football is yeah, I find sports where there's a natural break in the action, the commercials are less annoying. So yeah. baseball falls into that. To a certain yeah. degree, sometimes football, when they have to change ends and stuff, it applies. Curling, certainly that applies. you got to get the rocks off of there and yeah. uh, get set again. Whereas in hockey, when they just stop and flip that light on, you're like, what What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no reason to have a break here. Same with basketball. Uh, occasionally where they just stop, where the coaches don't want a timeout, but there's a whistle and now we got to go to commercial. So yeah, curling yeah. falls more into that baseball end of the spectrum. So yeah, it, it was just something that that I know there's been a lot of discussion of the Around the Rings coverage and, and certainly we'll get a chance to see more of it this week as uh, the next event comes up. Scott, was there anything else on the men's side of the event here that really stood out to you we had a great week from gushu he doesn't lose until the semifinal game we have Kui into the semifinal nip and tuck game against brendan botcher until the seventh end where brendan botcher is able to blow it open just the Kui team couldn't quite get the rocks in the right spot in that end uh, we had john morris moving to the third position in full for this event he of course was in the house with kevin at the Briar, but BJ was throwing third. They switched that up with John 
at the third position, an amazing quote from Jonathan Brazil. He transcribed John Morris explaining why they made this decision. Go look at it because I won't do it justice. But <laughs> it's just a stream of consciousness John Morris thing where if he was in front of you saying it, it wouldn't sound weird at all. But when you read it, it just, it, it, it sounds, it's, it's bonkos to read it. Just total stream okay. of consciousness. Very good. And I think when uh, that team was announced last year, my initial thought was that, oh, BJ's going to play second and, and John's going to play third. And right. I, I was like, oh, well, well, we'll see how long that lasts, the way they drew it up. So there you go. It lasted one event. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and when I say Boncos too, I just want to clarify, like, it's because John Morris loves the sport so much that he just sort of runs on this this stream. It's it's a great quote. Um, I, I also note that in the semifinal game between Gushu and Bruce Mout, Bruce Mout beat Gushu on a shot not dis, uh, uh, not dissimilar to the shot that Brendan Botcher beat Cooey on in the semifinal of the Briar and Angle raise to win the game. So that is the key in the bubble, apparently, on the men's side. Win your semifinal with an angle raise, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and that and that was him beating Matt Dunstone, of course. Oh, excuse me, yes, uh, in the semifinal, because he beat Cooey in the final. My apologies. Thank you, Scott, on that uh, fact check. Uh, elsewhere across the men's side, tough week for John Epping going one and three. Of course, Ryan Fry is not there, so really tough to integrate a new player in this setting with Colton Long. I was a little surprised, though, Scott, and I'm just curious as to what you thought about this, as to whether or not they should have, or whether, or maybe they did, consider changing up the lineup and having either Matt Cam or Brent Lang go play third, because Colton is a, a front-end player, right? great player at the front end, and, and certainly in the mixed doubles, and I thought maybe you would consider moving Matt Cam back or, or Langer back. Yeah, you could think of that, but uh, maybe want to keep those guys in the roles that, uh, that that they're in now to keep working on it. Uh, obviously, Matt Cam played third for, for John for many years. Well, a few years anyway, and uh, is capable of doing it. But, but yeah, I don't know. All right. No one knows. Uh, I don't know anything more than no that. One knows. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, a uh, good week. Nicodine, he goes three and one, loses to Bruce Mount in the playoffs. And somebody, a few people will be like, oh, it's a revenge game. I'm pretty sure Bruce Mount would have rather have won uh, the gold medal game. Probably. In the playoff game. But uh, elsewhere, yeah, tough week for Gunlickson. He goes over uh, in the bubble, uh, as does Peter DeCruz. Uh, perhaps a bit of a letdown after the world championship for them. They are unable to get a win. The reconstituted team McEwen goes one and three, uh, certainly a challenge with only three guys out there and, and trying to integrate a new player at the same time. Uh, but uh, they're, they're full fare for that. Like great effort. Good for them for going in there and certainly a tough field. Absolutely. Uh, not easy to do at any level and let alone at uh, this high level event. Yeah. So one other thing that I wanted to mention here, Scott, the tagline for the Champions Cup. Are you aware of what it is? 
tagline for the Champions Cup? Or the slogan, or it's on the, the logo. Can you think of it off the top of your head? I cannot. All right, so it's the Champions Cup, the world's best battle. Now, I have questions because okay. I, I want to know, now because there, there's no hyphen between worlds and best. Okay. Okay. So is it the world's best battle? So world's best is an adjective describing battle? Or is it the world's best? So the noun of bests, like describing the teams and that they're battling. Either way. No, no, this actually matters because if it's the latter or sorry, if it's the former and this is the best battle of the world, yeah. then what the hell am I supposed to watch? Why am I watching tomorrow? <laughs> like if this uh, is the best yeah. that we just had, then what's the point of tomorrow? It's Listen, almost, shot. it's a tagline that almost defeats the purpose of all the other events they have. I was just confused but, by it. Well, don't they usually have that one last? Yeah. And you have the world junior champions there. As yeah. The Euro champion is automatically in. The PAC champion is automatically in. Yeah. That is the point of it is that you have to yeah. win something to get there. So who knows why the hell they switch it up? Like, this is just some, I don't know, crazy Rogers stuff did, uh, <laughs> Uh, they let uh, Jungle Jim in to create the schedule or whatever. Like, who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah. So I was just confused by that. Uh, by by that. Uh, but it does set up the Players Championship, which starts tomorrow. And I did notice they had the Princess Auto on the button. So I yes. guess Princess Auto gave him more money. As the, it the it is the Princess Auto Players Championship, but I I don't think they're changing the ice at all, right? No, there's no time to to no. do that so yeah so but princess auto beat humpties to get the the butt well humpties uh got like probably something on the rest of the ice yeah there were there were a lot of logos uh, i did notice that uh i also noticed scott the 12 foot during this event did you oh, notice the 12 foot at all uh i noticed that it was blue and it yeah. had some kind of design in it yes it had the sportsnet logo very right. faintly almost like a shadow of sorts in the 12 foot i found it i i shouldn't have because it's a silly thing i found it so annoying like it, well, it, they, it was distracting almost they usually have some weird design around the 12 foot right in this event like it's a color and it's like some triangles or yeah whatever yeah, I, I would have liked it to be more obnoxious <laughs> because when they're trying to hide it like that, it, I found it very distracting. I, I didn't care for it. Uh, so, uh, But it's there for another week. There you go. Yeah. All right. So Get let's, used to it. Yeah, I'll have to. So let's look ahead, Scott, to the Players' Championship. Is there anything from this week that you think we should look for now into the Players' Championship as we move ahead? The one thing that we kind of complained about last week or wondered about at least was why are they only playing four games when pools of six that has been rectified for the players championship. We are getting a full round Robin two pools of six. The same playoff structure will apply where the top two finishers will go straight to the semifinals and the other four playoff teams will play off 
in the quarters. Again, I like that. It gives a, a little bit more of a reward to the top two teams. The pools seem pretty well balanced to me, sort of when I look through them. Again, it's just a strange scheduling quirk to have Mao against Botcher in the first day in their first game in the players. But what, what are your expectations now that we've seen the first Grand Slam and everyone's had a chance to be on the ice and, and get a feel for the bubble? I'd, I'd expect everybody to be on more even footing, um, you know, with a week under their belts. Uh, I, I do think the Canadian teams maybe had an advantage. I, Kevin Martin tonight during the game said they were playing with uh, the curling Canada stones that had been used for the Briar and the, and the Scotties. Uh, but, you know, with, you know, one event under everyone's belt, okay, we've all gotten a feel for the ice, a feel for the stones. Uh, now we're ready to go. I, I would expect it to be like a little bit more even, evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, Anna Hasselberg will watch to see. I, I don't, I can't see her going over again. No. Uh, we'll see how much gas Rachel Holman has left in the tank, if she's even going to play. Yeah. Uh, because she, hey, we yeah, just won an event. Not. Like, yeah, I mic, made my money for the year. Go home, you know. Yeah, yeah. Boom! I'm better than you guys. Uh, <laughs> three weeks after giving birth, so uh, no need to prove anything else. Uh, so I'll look for that story, and uh, yeah, just just to see if the teams that are going to the women's worlds. I want to see how they sort of put together this week. Uh, if they go into that event on a high or on a low. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So there's six teams that are going to be in the women's world out of the 15 that are there, and they're split evenly, three in one pool, three in the other pool. Can I? I'm on the Grand Slam website right now. Yeah. It's terrible. I, I have <laughs> no way. I can't find how, like, what pools these teams are in. So, yeah, the, it, it's it is hard to find. You have to click on live, click on Humpty's Champion Cup live scoring, and then oh, the Champions Cup part. Yes, I could find. I can't find it for the upcoming players. Oh, it'll take you to at, at the top of that. There's a little tab where you can find the players. So I'll run through yeah. the pools. Real I, quick. I did click on that, and it took me to the main page for the players' championship. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I yeah, was able it's... to find. It. I I agree that I don't think their website is particularly great for navigation uh, but on the women's side it's anderson flurry tiranzoni kim stern and peterson in a pool and the other pool is hasselberg jones muirhead kovaleva fujisawa and holman and then on the men's side we got moet de cruz jacobs botcher eden and gunlickson and then schwaller dunstone epping McEwen, gushu and cooey to round it out mm. all right um are we picking now is that what we're doing yeah so let's make our picks uh, on the champions cup we don't really need to talk about them uh neither of our picks made the final so that's okay happens but who you got i gotta take uh team cooey yeah for the men's side and that pool B for the women is really stacked. Uh, so I think I'm going to take uh, Anderson coming out of the other side. Okay. First event that Carrie Anderson did not win in the uh, bubble. And I think I picked her last for the last one too. 
Indeed you did, along with Gushu. So let's keep, yeah. let's just keep rolling. Okay. And for me, I think on the men's side, let's go a little slightly kind of sort of off the board, but not really off the board and go with Jacobs. I picked him last time. So why yeah. not? And then on the women's side, I don't know, someone who is going to the world championship, are they going to come through, get that momentum moving forward? Maybe, probably, but I'm going to pick Jennifer Jones. <laughs> hey. So uh, why not? That's the uh, same two I picked last time. <laughs> Sticking with them. <laughs> no Fairweather fans here. Uh, it's what, like the lottery you play the lottery with the same numbers, <laughs> same every, numbers week, right? every time um one thing you, you mentioned there scott they are using the curling canada stones for this event and of course this does give an advantage to the canadian teams because they have rock books on all these stones but it did lead me to wonder and this is something i think we should talk about at some point when events use the same stones over and over and over again i think it would be interesting to change the handles out on all of them and just randomly put the handles in stones so that each event you have to rematch rocks. And we can truly find out who is the best at in the event tracking rocks as opposed to who has the best book. Yeah. Yeah. Or that way it would be like just a just change them in between every game. Nobody knows what the hell they're throwing. <laughs> you, could, you could do that too. But then no, it'll like, come down to who's the best player. Hey. Yeah. Who? Yeah. But it, it does strike me that. These rock books, and you saw it during the Men's Worlds, is I believe it was Colton Flash gave Brendan Botcher the, the rock book on the WCF rocks that he yeah. had. Like, I, I don't know. At some point, I, I'm curious to know if, if guys can really pick up on the intricacies of the stones as we go through an event. And I wonder if it would actually affect shooting percentages too, if having to learn the stones as you go through, if that would make a difference. Uh, something I've, I've, wondered about today yeah and i mean if you're going to do that maybe then don't don't touch them either during the event right yeah but uh so when you do that you do kind of have to learn the rocks a bit again as you go i mean more of a minor change but uh that could be interesting yeah just something I, i thought of during the evening game and something to think about and, and maybe something we, we have a rock episode idea in the the summer book so i'm going to add that yes. to that discussion so uh hey hey sean before uh before i let you off the hook here yeah uh wikipedia has jennifer jones winning uh, 15 total grand slams okay there you go but the these include autumn gold Curling yeah those Classic, don't count no those don't count Canadians. no no well, they used to count as Grand Slams, so... Yes, they used to count when the Grand Slams, the, the branded Grand Slams, didn't let women play in all the events. That is true. Back in the dark ages of 2014. Terrible. Terrible and, times. Uh, yeah. Uh, and even I think even after Sportsnet Bottom, it was a few years, right? Sportsnet Bottom went 2009, yeah. 2010? Yeah, I think it was... They, they didn't come all, like, to do all of them until... No. 16 yeah around then yeah so so yes those those other events did count but i on that graphic that they showed at the end clearly they didn't include any of those events in in the total very good so but yeah let's give jennifer jones 15 why not yeah what the hell hey if it was considered a grand slam at the time 
accounts. So great. Yeah. Uh, that's why she's the best. That's why she was number one in the uh, poll last year. There you go. Yeah. All right. So uh, that will do it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the curling. Something a little different from what we've had over the past little bit. And as we mentioned, Players' Championship starts tomorrow. We're about, what, 15 hours away as we record this from the start of the Players' Championship. No uh, no TV coverage until Wednesday and no morning draws as we go through the week. Tiebreakers will be at noon Eastern time on Saturday if necessary. They are going deep primetime on the semifinal again. So it'll be a 10 o'clock tip 10 Eastern o'clock. time on Saturday night for the semifinals. I'm assuming that is to not run into pucks, but I don't know. Well, the semifinals were 10 o'clock last night, right? Yes, they were. So, but originally yeah. scheduled to be Saturday night. Yeah. So I don't know, but Hey, Sean, spoiler alert. I didn't stay up. <laughs> I, they rebroadcast it this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was, it was great. So uh, so there you have it. Enjoy the Players' Championship, everybody. We'll be back with you after the Players' Championship to talk about all the goings-on from Calgary as the final Grand Slam of the season wraps up. And then, we'll, we, and then we will turn our attention to the 2021 Women's World Championship, which will kick off four days later. Scott, we had no curling for a year, and now it's just just event after event after event. Go, go, go. And we're just watching. Yeah. I don't know how the players feel. Yeah, right? Like, uh, it's a little numbing, Yeah, uh, t- to be honest. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the Women's Worlds. Looking forward to coming back and talking to you about that. So uh, we'll, we'll end it on a high note. Which is what? Well, like a great uh, showcase of women's curling for the rest of the world to see. All right. There you have it. Uh, So thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcast, do the likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show. Keeps us growing. And do head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. All the past episodes are there. Plus a link to the merch. I've been wearing my Game of Stones hoodie a lot. It's great hoodie season here at night. Mm. I, I open the windows. It's delightful. Yeah. It's a super comfortable hoodie. So do head on over. We are matching the purchases with all the proceeds going to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada. Do also follow along with everything going on on social media. We are at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Scott is at Scott Lakes TV. And I am at the Sean Graham. And let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. So that will do it for us tonight. We'll be back with you on Sunday, but until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...